And guys, welcome to another edition of Illinois with Bird and Cam. This is your boy Bird, is always with me, my partner in true crime, Cam. Cam, how we doing here? You know, I'm a little sick, but I'm doing good. My family's in town. We have a, my stepbrother got married, so yes. we're having a reception Saturday, so the fam mm. fam's coming down, and uh... My friend just had a baby. Nice. Today, his name's Otto, like from Rocket Power. So. Oh my God, I haven't seen Rocket Happy Power. Happy birthday, Otto! Oh man, and yeah, this is I've been doing okay. Like this has been a <laughs> hectic week or so with work and family and all that fun shit. But we have <laughs> a awesome episode, and even greater, we have a very special, awesome guest. Um, Yay! I've known this woman for about, oh my God, three years. Uh, met her at um, grad school. Uh, was a colleague of mine when we were working at Illinois Times. The best goddamn journalist I know whose brain I always pick when I do these things. Um, can't say any good things enough to her. This is kind of like my guardian angel. The cocaine to my Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> Debbie, how you doing, Deb? Hi, um, my name is Debbie. As Alex mentioned, we, him and I met in grad school. Um, we worked together as colleagues at the Illinois Times. Um, so I just want to say by saying that I'm honored to take part of Illinois tonight with you, Birdman and Cam. <laughs> I'm more than excited to do this episode with you guys. And you can reach me on Facebook at Deb Hernandez or find me on Twitter at Deb, H-E-R-N-D-Z-17. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Oh, oh always, Yay. always, always. I'm going to have add you on, on Twitter. On the Twitter? But it's like, oh you know, um, like, that, like <laughs> ever, you know, when we first, when I first, you know, we were first talking about this, me and Cam, and like Deb was like one of our most ardent supporters and she would always push like, come on, you can do this, you can do this. And like, Hell I yeah. didn't know what the fuck I was doing. And she's been a day one listener and like a, a very, very special friend of the program. So we are just stoked to have her on. Yeah, we are. I'm so excited. I'm super stoked too. And damn. Deb, if I knew you were such good journalists, I would have had you do this. Cause oh, you I'm motherfucker. She's actually got a story in AP, believe it or not. Fuck. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So everybody follow Deb because she's got some bomb ass stories. She's Indeed. pretty cool. <laughs> Thank you. All right. So, but, uh, yeah. So we got a really, and this is a very famous case, um, really in the 19th century, but like it's really been a part of pop culture lore in the decades and, and centuries since and that's of lizzie borden like i remember when i was nine years old why i remember this i don't fucking know but i just remember when i was nine years old and it was a friday night and it's the this when we first got cable and we got investigation discovery whatever the hell it was at the time and it had a documentary on lizzie borden and i remember the the lizzie borden had an axe she gave her mother 40 wax. When she saw what she had done, she gave her father 41. And I remember that. And I was just like, wow, they actually had a fucking nursery for that? Like, it sounded so fucking morbid. Like, <laughs> I actually never heard that until I read about this chick. Wow. Like, I was pretty sheltered. I found out I was pretty sheltered. So um, that's a fun fact to find out about yourself. Yeah. Uh, but you know what's kind of weird? I wasn't super interested in her case until I got my little unsolved crimes book from <laughs> Barnes and Nobles. I was like, cause people talked about it so much. I was like, okay, I get it. There's a bed and breakfast, whatever. Like, but now it's kind of, after we did like the research, it's, there's so much to it. So, mm-hmm. so much. Yeah, I honestly so. thought the riddle was like, just made up. Like I didn't think this was actually like a murder case. So that yeah. was <laughs> Yeah, like, uh, um, what's the other one? The Ring Around Rosie riddle? Like, yeah, that isn't that like, because I'm just thinking, oh, it's just Ring Around the Rosie, but that's kind of got like a dark meaning to it, too, right? Yeah, it's like it, smallpox um, or some shit like it was that. during the bubonic plague. Oh. Yeah, and everyone was dying, and uh, mm-hmm. the pocket Ashes. full of posies was supposed to keep, you know, in a way. Oh. And the Ring Around the Rosie, man, yeah. I'm it so was naive. super dark and, uh, <laughs> intense. Yeah. It was super intense. Huh. Well, it was. Well, before we get into that, uh, Cam, as always, hit the good folks with disclaimers. Yes. So let's just first off um, start, like you were stating, with the Lizzie Borden case. Uh, this is about 126 years ago. So um, it's been the case 
that's been here for a long time. He ran for at least between us. Through time. Um, but we do want to remind you guys that these stories we share um, and the facts that we divulge are actually information we find from various sources, such as news articles, police reports, um, online articles. So if there's any information or things we state about a victim or the persecuted that are incorrect, misleading, or you have other information you want to share, whatever, just let us know through Killinois with Burning Cam on Facebook or Killinois with Burning Cam on Instagram. And actually, I just started our Killinois website. Ah. It's still working a little bit. But you'll find the link on our Facebook page. So whatever you want to let us know, uh, we'll address it. So, yeah. All right. Well, with that said, you guys ready to do the damn thing? Yes, we're ready to do the damn thing. Yes, we're ready. All righty. So we go into our DeLorean, get that bitch up to 88 miles per hour, and we go to 1860. I don't think I'd be accepted. I probably might be a slave, but uh, <laughs> neither, <laughs> neither, neither there or neither here and there. But in Falls River, Massachusetts, on July 19th, 1860, Elizabeth Lizzie Andrew Borden was born. She had an older sister named Emma, who was nine at the time, and had a loving father named Andrew Borden and a mother, Sarah Borden. Lizzie did have another sister named Alice. However, she died at the age of two. Shortly after Lizzie was born, her mother Sarah passed away. Now, it was said that this was the trauma that affected Lizzie's life. Now, is this the only trauma that made Lizzie who she was? Was it the wealth her father had? But we'll get that in there in a second. Now, three years after Sarah's death, Andrew met a woman and remarried uh, named Abby Dufree Gray in 1865. And growing up, the Borden family lived aforementioned well off. They had servants, and it was said that Andrew had accumulated roughly $500,000, which today is $10 million. I get get a couple of student loans. Damn! Look at at that economy. I'd be able to get somebody, (laughs) a certain somebody, a Lamborghini, and like, God. (laughs) (laughs) But although they had all of this money, Andrew Borden tried to live the simple lifestyle. The family was religious and attended church regularly, and it was even said that Lizzie taught Sunday schools, participated in church events, and even charitable causes. And she was part of multiple causes, such as Christian Organization, Christian Endeavor Society, Women's Christian Temperance Union, which we kind of talked about with the temperance movement and the St. Valentine's Day, which you can find in the archives. And she was a well-known, you know, wealthy woman in the community. So it seems like she's just a average all-American girl in Victorian era, you know, society. Yeah, definitely that she has money. And so she has class and she, yes, but also to let's not forget her sister, Emma. Um, But this is just my personal opinion. I feel like somehow she's a part of this all, Um, the whole overall story. Um, But Emma, like you stated earlier, was Lizzie's older sister. And after her mother's death, Emma became very protective of her sister. And from what it seems to be gathered, both of these sisters seem to be, um, I don't know if you'd say protective or just um, well aware of their father's fortune and his wealth. Hmm. Um, So that was kind of interesting to read. Uh, But there were multiple sources that stated, too, that Lizzie and Emma did not like their stepmother. And which was weird because they always, always addressed her as Mrs. Borden. Never once did they call her Abby. And there were points where she even, they refused to have meals with her. And, um, which is pretty, pretty intense, especially if you have to live with someone. Usually you can be civil enough to just, just fuck, just say by their first name. Um, but the reason why the girls didn't really like Miss Borden um, was because they believed that she was only out for the money. Oh. And, um, again, it kind of raises a couple questions, too, because I did read some articles that say they weren't fond of their father's choices. Um, so that might be an information we need for later, so do hold on to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, it was Miss Bord- or Mrs. Borden, Abby Borden, that they were not a fan of. But the reason why they weren't a big they weren't fond of their father's choices was Andrew always seemed to give generous amounts uh, of wealth and 
land to Abby's family. And technically, in Andrew was going to pass his fortune to Abby. Hmm. But if both were to pass away, if both Abby and Andrew were to pass away suddenly, the money could only go to the next people in line, which would be Emma and Lizzie. See, right? Like, right there, that's like fucking motive. Like, I mean... See, but I still feel like he would have left his daughters some money, you know? Um, hmm. Not a not majority of it, but enough for them to be well off. And... So this is what gets me confused. Was he fighting? Were they fighting for his wealth? For his attention? What? I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, you know, it yeah. doesn't... Uh, you always, in any circumstance, circumstance, when you have a stepmother, you know, especially after your mother had passed, it's always going to have that element of friction. But then when you add money into it, and we're talking about... 10 million or five uh, or the equivalent of 10 million in today's money you think that shit that is just like fucking playing russian roulette with a full clip i just yeah. don't think that it's going to be well oh man it's gonna be cold just something is going to fucking happen one way or the other i just find it so interesting that uh that this this case seems pretty open and closed seems mm-hmm. like a pretty open Right. Not, not to get ahead of you know the details, but yeah, it seems like you've we've established that okay, we have serious contention, we have a conflict, a personal conflict, and now you add money, and then you have the okay, well, if he's gone, all that they're going to believe, whether it's true or not, they're going to believe that all the money is going to go to the stepmother. So yeah, yeah, but yeah. there you go, you go. It's, it's interesting, too, because, again, like I was stating, that they probably got wealth, but the stepmother probably got the most of it. So they probably wanted more of the money, which my family always says money ruins a family. So uh-huh. No money, more problems. But we talk about, like, this pigeon incident, which was only occurred, like, a week before. Yeah. Like, this was very, very interesting. So... Reports stated at the time, the maids had recalled a story that Lizzie had made a new roost for pigeons that she was uh, fostering, and it was known that the pigeons were killed. Now, Lizzie and her sister Emma were so upset after the pigeon stuff that they took an extended vacation. Now, this incident happened relatively soon before the murders that we're going to uh, dwell into and coincidentally, both sisters returned to their Fall Rivers home just a week before the incident. A week! Now, as the research began to fill in, it was known that Lizzie, possibly Emma as well, were growing more angry at their father, more, uh, we recalled, that he generously gave to Abby's family a large part of their pro- property. Now, we ain't saying that the plan for what's going to go down were discussed while Emma and Lizzie were away. I mean, you have to be a fly in the wall or hell, we had that actual DeLorean like, oh shit, open and shut. Yeah. But, yo, no, <laughs> I, I'm not convinced. You can't just go away on a vacation, be so close to your sister mm-hmm. and not ever bring up the word like, ah, oh, I wish dad was dead or I wish so-and-so was dead and then not take that someone was being serious. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it just all boils down to the contention that this pisses off the Borden sisters, the way Borden, uh, Andrew Borden is so, I guess, financially generous to Abby and her family because they feel that the money is theirs. They feel that the property that he's allowing her and the family, uh, her family to, is theirs. And they feel like they're infringing on that. So it raises the question, was that, Again, was Lizzie money hungry, or was she looking out for her father's well-being? It's just, it leaves a lot to the mind. It really does. And sure, it's, and when I was doing the research, it was really, really hard to find whether or not Abby and Emma both came home and then Emma left, or Emma stayed on vacation, um while they were gone. I did read somewhere too, that it stated that, um, Emma went to one location and Lizzie went to their, 
New Haven location, but then then I all places. Still there, Cam? Oh, so, boy. see, it can't be a Illinois episode without technical difficulties. So, <laughs> what you what you miss? <laughs> oh no, we're 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 back on track. Okay, did you get my whole rant about? Probably got to go back about like 10, 15 seconds. Okay. Um, so it's not totally confirmed whether or not they, I saw, I found one thing that talked about them being in different locations, but the rest of the stuff said they were together. So mm-hmm. there's not a total confirmation if Emma came back, Emma and Lizzie came back and then Emma left for a vacation or just Lizzie came back. So mm-hmm. it's all very vague. But let's jump forward to a week later in August, 1892. Hmm, August. August, 1892. Yeah. That's like literally 100 years before I was Yes, born. right? A hundred and uh, a couple years. A yeah. <laughs> hundred and a couple years. <laughs> but like most Augusts in America, it was hot and very humid. And uh, at this time, the August 4th, on August 4th, no one knew there was going to be a massacre that was about to occur, but it was about to go down. And in my book I got from Barnes and Nobles for $10, holler, um, it's called Unsolved Crimes by Sarah Herman. And uh, it just gives a rundown of the actual faithful days. So the book states that Abby Borden was upstairs dusting while her maid, Bridget Sullivan, was cleaning the windows after puking in the yard. So that's delicious. Mm. Probably and has something from book, that duck place you went to. It sounds like me, right? Let right. me just puke in the yard. I'll come back. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. um, but the actually book continues that the entire household was actually ill, minus Emma, who seemed coincidentally out of town at this time. But again, I think it's she returned from vacation, but there's no proof that she did or didn't. Um, but again, it seemed like the whole household was sick. And uh, it was for sure confirmed that Abby, Andrew, and Bridget were all sick. But it wasn't really confirmed if Lizzie uh, was also sick. But it stated in the book that Abby was bored and was actually convinced that her food was poisoned. Today, doctors would say it was probably related to the result of reheating food um, that was past its due date, but... Oh, shit. That seems like the story of my life, but... According to those witnesses, though, at the trial, there was actually something a lot more sinister than just food poisoning going on in that household. Hmm. So, again, it was said that Emma was uh, out of town and Bridget was outside speaking to a neighbor maid. And around this time, Mr. Borden had arrived home. Now, uh, Herman was not able to specify specifically what time Mr. Borden actually arrived, but it was before 10 a.m., it was believed. And upon entering the home, Bridget recalls hearing Lizzie laughing upstairs. Now, not much later, legend had it that, according to Bridget, Lizzie encouraged her multiple times to go to the department store during the morning hours. Now, why on earth would Bridget want to leave her house after puking multiple times? I like to lay in the shower. And not <laughs> now, again, they didn't have Pedialyte back in those days, so um, <laughs> I can imagine. Right. Oh, boy, that just got morbid. But um, at this same time, Bridget was just too exhausted from her duties and sickness, and she left Lizzie ironing handkerchiefs in the dining room while Andrew Borden was just in the other room relaxing on the sofa. Bridget uh, retired to her bedroom, which would be in the attic. Huh? Well, that's... Right? I was like, yo, if you have to get to the attic, like, you would think Mm -hmm. you would check, and you're a maid, you would check on your duties throughout the house. Mm -hmm. But what's really conspicuous, if if odd uh, less, is that Bridget never checked on Mrs. Borden before going into her bedroom, which could have been crucial, but leaves it to the imagination and there was never any detail on if abby borden left the house during the morning but from what it seemed she was always upstairs but what is also uh interesting is paying attention to the time frame it said that roughly 10 minutes later after bridget went to her room she was summoned by lizzie yelling come down father's dead somebody's come in and killed him 10 minutes not 15 not 20 not 30 but 10 minutes 
I can't fucking fall asleep that fast in 10 minutes. Like, it's just like different controversial, like, oh, it was 10 minutes, it was 45 minutes, but this is just from the book that I purchased for $10. So, didn't get it from the internet, bitches. It's from a book, so you know it's real. So that's all I have to say. <laughs> but as soon as Bridget heard uh, Lizzie yelling without hesitation, she ran down the stairs and that's where she saw Andrew's dead body, right where she left him when she went to the attic. It was very easy to see that Andrew's face took most of the blunt force trauma. Uh, Bridget ran right outside to grab a neighbor and a doctor and that's when the commotion began. Now, we have to remember, though, it's the late 1800s, so there was no such thing as a telephone for 911 or anything of that nature. And when Bridget and her neighbor returned, Lizzie made sure to state that she heard Miss Borden um, come home and go upstairs during this 10-minute time frame. And, again, this all happened in 10 minutes. So when Lizzie said she heard Miss Borden go upstairs during this 10-minute time frame, Bridget's next instinct was to run upstairs and find Abby. And just like Andrew, she had similar blunt force trauma. But it seemed like there was twice the rage with her, mm. which this whole blunt force trauma thing is um, a pretty personal attack, I think. Mm-hmm. Pretty. What do you think, Dad? I think that's very personal. <laughs> and also, like, I mean, you have to be pretty pissed off to do that kind of damage to somebody. Yeah, I mean, an axe. Like, hold a grudge or something. Like, they had guns in the 1800s. Shit, I mean, Civil War. But, like, this an axe. They had knives. That's personal, you know? Yeah, it's like, clearly yeah. whoever did it wanted the person to be tortured. Mm-hmm. Or the they wanted that person to feel the anger and pain they had in them. Yes. And by all this time, by the time that they discovered both bodies, you know, the police had finally arrived. And at this time, it was known there were two murders in that house. Andrew and his wife, Abby. It was proven that both Andrew and Abby were attacked with a very similar, if not almost identical tool, a.k.a. the axe. <sighs> It was proven that they were actually attacked with uh, more of a small, sharp kind of hatchet, but the axe sounds a lot cooler, so we could keep going with that. <laughs> um, they, the police stated that Andrew was whacked between 11 or 10 to 11 times. 11, 10 to 11 fucking times in the face. Oh, God. In That's the rage. face. Like, That's it's rage. Terrible. It's so specific. It, and as for Abby, 18 to 20 times in the face. 18 to 20 fucking times in the face. Mm-hmm. If you thought 10 to 11 were a lot, double that. And like we were talking about earlier, it's this type of attack shows anger, hatred, and it's on a personal level. But what was discovered kind of odd and out of um, context was... Abby Borden's body was cold. Hmm. So, remember when Lizzie stated Mrs. Borden came home and went upstairs within this 10 minutes? Yeah. That means she should have been murdered before, or I mean, I'm sorry, after Andrew. But, according to the police, the stiffness and coldness of Abby's body proved that she was killed before Andrew. So, keep in mind again. This attack all happened in roughly 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And it kind of expound, expound upon what you what you're talking about. It's like Andrew Borden's death was roughly around between 10.30 a.m. to 11 a.m. And that's what the medical examiner had ended up ruling. Now, as you said, Abby's body was cold. And it was shown, again, that Abby was struck 18, 20 times in a similar manner as Andrew Borden. But... It was shown that she was actually dead before he was murdered. So, in the nine and nine thirty a.m. was what the medical examiners ruled. And again, it was contradictory to one of Lizzie's many stories that she would give to the police. And the murder not only became the talk of the town, but so did Lizzie. 
She was again known as an active member of the community, a religious woman and one with high wealth. She taught Sunday school and believed in the Lord and how on earth could murder like cross her mind? It was literally Rob Low voice and fuck the West Wing. Literally. But, oh, no, I like the West Wing, but literally unheard of for a woman of her stature to be accused of such a heinous crime because rich people definitely didn't commit crimes. Okay. <coughs> Although the community... And rich people don't commit crimes because, you know... Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, it's something before, like, and I'm very fascinated. And it's, again, we, we we talk about these crimes, especially you know in the 1800s or even in the 1900s and the 60s. Even when we were talking about rich respect uh, in the last episode, and you know they were able to find you know a, a left a fingerprint. But uh, I don't know what like the uh, the technology in terms of investigation techniques at that time, but. I mean, it just makes you wonder with a personal attack such as uh, a hatchet 10 to 11 times to Andrew Borden, almost 20 times to Abby Borden. I mean, it it makes you wonder if they, if you had DNA back in those days, you'd think it'd be, as you alluded to at the beginning of uh, the recording, it would be that much more of an open and shut case. In there would be so much more technology, and, mm-hmm. and we could have for these back in the day. But yeah, I I really think too because other than her having such a high status, um, they didn't have the the evidence. They didn't have the hat, and we'll get into detail about that. But they didn't have the hatchet, and back then, can you convict someone when you don't even have the murder weapon? Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can't even convict people now without a murder weapon. Yeah. So it's just interesting to see how they came about this case. Right. So although the community did not believe that Lizzie Borden was the murderer, there were several key elements that pointed to Lizzie being a likely candidate. Now, as it would later be revealed to the public, um, there was friction with the family, uh, internal strife, if you will there was issue of money. So, I mean, you have these succinct uh, elements where it's just bubbling and something is going to fucking happen. And a side thought, uh, although Emma was out of town at this time, like, I just feel she had, like, it's just too convenient for her to not, you know, oh, I just happened to go on vacation when this shit just went down. Like, exactly. It 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 like, and she was and she too was not fond of Abby Borden for the same reasons. So I mean, it makes you wonder. And protective, she was protective over her sister. So why not protect your sister? And the inter- you'll you'll see she's got a whole interview testimony, and it's just she plays very innocent, and I feel uh, not stupid but naive. Mm-hmm. Going around with what you said, yeah. Um, also, like, if she was so protective of her sister, why wouldn't she help her commit the murder? Right. Like, why? Why wouldn't she be aware of the plan? Like, it doesn't make any sense. That's right. Um, yeah. And I'm, her leaving again is like, was that part of a diversion? It's just her departure mm-hmm. just leaves a lot of questions. Really. Maybe it's one of those things is that maybe in the back of her mind is all of these twisted these twisted relationships maybe she thinks maybe okay if lizzie does this stuff and maybe she takes the fall somebody's got to go and pick up the pieces and inherit everything so she's thinking well they yeah. can't pin me to anything i'll get off scot-free and i inherit every fucking thing so maybe that's something in the back of her mind i just i don't know like maybe maybe she was like the good sh- she could have either been the devil on her shoulder or the angel on her shoulder. She was either being like, no, don't do it. Don't, that's wrong. Or she's like, no, fucking kill him. Mm-hmm. One or the other. They discussed it and she knew the plan. But she didn't think her sister was going to go through it, but she didn't want to be around during that time. Right. Yeah. Sort of like an insurance policy. Just, just in case. <laughs> an know. alibi. She's an alibi for herself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So... Within a week, uh, the police, um, they indulge in an investigation, and quickly Lizzie becomes the prime suspect, and she would get arrested for the double murder of her father and stepmother. 
And this, again, stunned the entire community for all the aforementioned reasons and multiple news sources throughout the country. Police stated that there were multiple uh, elements that showed Lizzie was the perpetrator. When she was first questioned, Lizzie had a very strange demeanor, especially after witnessing such a horrible crime. And according to the book Unsolved Crimes, uh, the officer um, interviewing her noted that in investigation with Lizzie Borton, there was not at least, quote-unquote, and any indication of agitation, no sign of sorrow or grief, no lamentation of the heart, no comment of the horror of the crime, no expression of wishing the mysterious criminal be caught. So, <laughs> on top of this, Lizzie and Emma stood to gain a substantial amount. Since not only her father was dead, but with the stepmother out of the picture, they would have inherited everything. So, it just is one of those things. We they they uh, Lizzie. Um, in this case, it signed off all of the checkboxes in what we, uh, or at least me, you know, when it comes to, okay, means, motive. Mm -hmm. And now you see, you're, you're looking at her, you know, demeanor afterwards. You just lost your, your father, right? And in your a, mother. Yeah, mom. in a gruesome manner, in a sudden and gruesome manner at that, I would be just devastating yeah and she's just carrying on as if it's a care in the world i mean come on i i watched the uh lizzie the lizzie movie documentary and i almost feel like they gave her more emotions in the documentary than they explain in anything i've ever read mm. is that the one is that the one with the is that the movie with bella from twilight uh, oh, I didn't get that far. Got yeah, because like, that because that'd have been funny. Because that'd be irony. Because she can't act and she doesn't have any emotions. I, and if have her in a movie where she's showing emotions, that talk about I her irony. Hate Kristen Stewart. I don't hate her. I just hate her acting. It's yeah, her well, acting is so bad. It, it goes without saying, <laughs> Team Jacob. But <laughs> how dare you cheat on Edward Cullen? Hey, look, look, like I said, Team Jacob. That's all I have to say about that. Whoa. Well, but <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Come at me like that. <laughs> so those th fighting words, man. Those are fighting words. Next thing I know is going to be Killinois with Cam and Deb, and I'm just going to be out the picture. But, uh, <laughs> there was never a third here. What are you talking about? <laughs> so again, um, as we've talked about, both Lizzie and Emma did not like Abby because she felt that she was in it for the money. Yet here. Emma and Lizzie are inheriting all of their, fa their father's money, cruel irony, but they weren't in it for the money, and this is why I'm convinced that Emma was in it. It's Now, you have a little theory on this, and you should expound on this, but, like, it, it's, well, it, it's too convenient, it too fucking theory. convenient that she just happens to be away. The, and beforehand, they have the mini vacation a week before where maybe, okay, we're discussing how we're going to do this, they're going to do the game plan. Hell, they might have a fucking did the coin toss and say, okay, you're going to be here and I'm not. So, I mean, who, it could have been Emma who did this. Yeah, well, there are theories that say otherwise, but there aren't theories that don't say Emma helped think of the plan. Mm -hmm. And I just, I just find it... It's just, according to Joe Kenneth, there's no such thing as coincidence, so... You know, I should take a shot for every time you say that on the... <laughs> I know, but he's so right. You'd be so trash. I'll do a triple shot at Jameson. That's what I'm going to do for now, for, 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 for subsequent recording. That's how many times you say per episode. It's at least two or three. <laughs> so if you take a triple shot of Jameson each time, bet. Oh, that'd be fantastic. I don't know. <laughs> I'm probably getting too much into this, but... Yeah, back to what we are saying... But I just think it's, like, growing up, you know, uh, Abby married Andrew very young. So you would think that the sisters, not Emma as much because Emma was older, but Lizzie would be, you know, would like Abby because right. that's her only mother figure she has. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's but a great point. And she, does she not like her because... Emma was old enough to realize what Abby was and it wasn't her mother. So Emma put in Lizzie's head that, no, Abby's terrible. Let's hate Abby. And the rest was history. 
Or what? I mean, I think maybe like one influence other aspect, maybe like her latter Emma didn't, and Emma will be the next in line to Lizzie's, uh, I guess, closest maternal figure. Um, I just, I think it's also odd that, um, like Lizzie went on vacation again, leaving her sister alone, considering how protective she was of her. So that's, that's another weird aspect. (laughs) Cause yeah, all the information I read was like, they were always together and always together. So it's weird that they both left at the same time because they were mad Mm -hmm. at Abby, but they, they say you know, oh, they left together, but where did they go? And so, they never talk about the backstory of And you that. know what it kind of reminds me of? And I know I've referenced, I, I mentioned this in a previous episode, and I botched it, the the names then, and I'm going to botch it now that they talked about true. And she's smiling because you know what I'm talking about, Cam. But the Papin sisters? The Papin sisters. Papin sisters, again. Papin sisters. <laughs> I can't I just live, off, or I don't live, I work off the street, and my GPS goes, Papin. Yeah. <laughs> But doesn't it doesn't it have like a you know a familiarity with you know that case? It kind of reminds me of one of the cases we covered with James, the James Wolcott case oh. or James the, James the the professor from Milliken where he uh killed his family, but Sniffing it's because he sniffed glue paint or airplane or, yeah airplane glue, glue. and somehow was crazy, but then was cured to being crazy and may have cheated the system because he's unbelievably intelligent and now has a master in psychology. No big deal. Yeah. That is some Dexter <laughs> that's, shit. That's called playing the system. But, anyways, let's get back to the case. Um, other factors that showed Lizzie was the culprit of this murder was on trial, a drug, or interviewed a drugstore clerk uh, claimed that Lizzie actually visited a pharmacy the day before the murders. And she happened to uh, purchase um, the infamous hydrogen cyanide. Now, tell me again, everybody, how that was food poisoning. Hmm. I don't know at this time if you can see if someone was poisoned by drawing blood or slicing them open or what, but they, I, I see why people might have ruled out any time getting sick after eating something or drinking something being right. poisoned. Yeah. And In fact, so, everybody was sick at home, too. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. But, like, again, they never said if they said the household was sick, but never if Lizzie was sick. So I felt like she uh, seemed pretty active while everyone was becoming under the weather. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I hate being active when I'm puking. It's just not a not a good look for me. Yeah. But anyways, it's got some Duchasa vibes as well. What? It's got some Duchasa vibes as well, like the Vicene. <laughs> and I mean, again, you say about technology, like this is eighteen. This is eighteen ninety two. We're talking about you know two thousand nineteen now, and what happened with Duchasa two thousand and twelve, fourteen, whatever it was. But like. I mean, it just makes it so hard. Like, what if, and this is so easy for us to say armchair quarterbacking now, but what if this technology, you know, if we had that technology to go back in time and then try to investigate it and see, man, you know, she incapacitated Andrew and Abby with this and then made them, you know, vulnerable prey. It just really, it really makes you wonder. Yeah, like like, technology today says that they found the closest, like, DNA connection to Jack the Ripper. And if you don't know who Jack the Ripper is, you're missing out. He's very well-known. But, so again, like we've been stating the entire episode is, since 1892, police work, technology, everything's really changed. So it's really hard to determine what steps in police, the police inv- uh, and the investigators took back then. Um, but there is one thing for sure was this crime was a bloody mess. No pun intended or intended, whatever you guys do. But the police noticed that they, they had no bloody clothes except the ones worn by the victims. But 
it was said that Lizzie was seen wearing a blue dress or was seen burning a blue, blue dress after the murders. And what was claimed the dress was stained with paint. However, the paint was assumed to be blood. But again, they had no actual evidence of the leftover dress. Mm-hmm. Um, but those are actually some weird steps for her to take uh, since her father and stepmother died. Um, again, which today would be 100% investigated. And, and as my mom would always tell me, assumption is the mother of all fuck-ups. So, like, it just, like, they assume that the police... Again, this is you know they're uh, they have they have to investigate with the tools of their time, but I mean it just to assume that oh it's just paint not blood. <sighs> just my favorite uh, my favorite uh, assume quote is to assume makes an ass, ass out of, out of you, you and me. me. Yep, <laughs> I was waiting for that one. Don't be that person. <laughs> so. The final contender to why Lizzie was the prime suspect was the multiple of stories that she told over a three-day period between August 9th to August 11th of 1892. And this led from contradictory statements to inaccurate answers. And there were a couple of news articles at the time that talked about Lizzie having a mental breakdown or a psychotic break. And there were also facts that her stories did not add up due to the amount of tranquilizer that she was given. Now, um... During the research, uh, we weren't able to find much into these statements as uh, the news stories in those times just pretty much said that. But it, it it's just very, very, it's, you know, it's very ambiguous, ambiguous in a sense of yeah. like, oh boy, me using big words, I'm such a cuss. <laughs> but <laughs> just, just... You know, you don't know whether she was drugged up or not, and it possibly, you know, leads to a factor into her, uh, the trial that we're going to get into contact, I mean, we're going to do to talk about, but there were a couple of stories during the time of her parents' death, and we'll, we'll have the info um, on when we do post this, that, you know, if this chick was doing this shit today, there is no, it's not a snowball's chance in hell she's going to get away with this, but... The police were interviewing Lizzie, and she stated after her father had gone for a nap, she went to the barn on their property, and she stated that she was in search for iron or tin to fix a door. And she later said that she stayed up there for 30 minutes eating pears, ew. But this is the first Where the fuck did you get the pears? Like, (laughs) so fucking plain. How specific? How very specific? Yeah, but, That's a little too much detail. <laughs> 30 minutes to eat the pears. Yeah, right? 30. Exactly! God damn it, a lot of pears. Like, come on now. But this is the first contradictory statement that the police picked up now because the maid, Bridget Sullivan, stated that it was no more than 10 minutes of laying down that Lizzie yelled for her assistance. So, if Lizzie was in fact upstairs in the barn for 30 minutes, maybe... Just maybe a random intruder came in and decided to only attack two out of the four people in the house. Why not all four? But uh, what the fuck do we know? As police investigated this story, they realized that something was up. And there was a lot of dust in the barn that it would show marks or footsteps of which none were left. And we've been talking a lot about invest. Uh, techniques and stuff but come on if like if you can't fucking find footsteps like so she probably wasn't upstairs that's it how do you walk around in the loft of a barn that is full of dust without leaving any tracks or any trace of you being upstairs and you know what i was thinking too if let's say you were how you were saying earlier that maybe if just maybe Lizzie was upstairs for 30 minutes and a random intruder came in. Everybody knew who the Bordens were, so they knew more than two people were in the house. Mm-hmm. So again, it's very particular that only two out of the four people were killed in the house. Yeah. Exactly. And just like in general too, like it's weird that made uh, Bridget, like as you stated before, Lizzie had insisted on her going to the store um, before this all happened and to keep her out of the house, but Bridget was sick. 
So I think in itself is a reason to assume that Lizzie was the murderer because that's pretty strange. Like, why would you want the the maid out of the house? So, like, the maid didn't hear her. She heard Lizzie scream, but she didn't hear the hatching going down of the murderer. That's kind of strange. Yeah, and I I found it weird, too, that, um, that she was so calm about it. So calm. I don't know what I would do if I saw someone's face exactly. hatched up by any means. And uh, what you stated earlier about what Bridget uh, may have thought, like, do you think back then, since it was the 1800s and there was slavery, do you think they had their own, like, mo- mo- have their own, like, mindset, like, this is wrong, this is right, or they just thought whatever makes my master happy. Well, I think the thing is, like, we're about, it's 1892, so we're 27-odd years old, removed from the Civil War and the abolition of slavery. And the thing is, if this was, like, in the South, oh, fuck yeah. But um, we have to consider the setting that it's Massachusetts. Did I say that right? Massachusetts. I, it's so fucking hard to say. <laughs> oh, oh my god! I'm just like, and of course, so I always mispronounce shit, especially at night. But that is like, it was like mass M A. Just like, what well, was this fucking Boston piece easier? Easier, but like, what the point I'm trying to say is, this was a huge abolition state where slavery was really looked down upon. So, I mean, it, it again, if this was like, you know, the South. And you have that mentality, even with slavery, you know, removed that because this is still right before Jim Crow. So, I mean, yeah, yeah. It, it would. But I think it's just no, this 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 boils down to to greed. It, it really does in my eyes. Yeah, that makes sense for sure. In another story that uh, Lizzie actually talked about um, that she told the police was an unknown man had come to a house to do business. These are my favorite stories. There's always a mysterious person. They never know their last name either. The, the man in the glass, you know. <laughs> and this unknown man coincidentally came the night before her father's death. And oddly enough, Lizzie stated she heard the man say, I would like to have that store. And she coincidentally heard Andrew refuse it. So Lizzie continued to say that this mysterious man and her father continued to talk for a while. Now, there are a couple issues with that. If a man was really upset that his, this guy wasn't giving them property, why would you continue to talk to them? I would storm out. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And yeah. The police also investigated into that story, and there was never a man discovered. But they did look into another relative. No, not Emma, but Andrew's brother-in-law from his first marriage. Why? Because he was simply in touch with Andrew right before his death. However, um, his brother-in-law was quickly ruled out thanks to alibis. So. I wonder if they ever talked to him. Like, was he ever, like, questioned? Like, it's just, again, I guess, and also when you talk about the community, was first, when the community was so astonished that, oh, my God, Lizzie can never do this. She's such a pillar of the community. I'm sure that Emma was, looked at the same light. It's like, oh, no, that's just unfathomable. Mm-hmm. But, like, come on. Somebody of this this stature and this wealth would never do that. Is, mm-hmm. Was their mindset was somebody couldn't do that that's of her wealth. And mm-hmm. So we fast forward to the summer of 1893, and Lizzie Borden finally goes on a trial. And through the defense team led by uh, defense attorney A.V. Jennings, uh, they claim that there was not one particle of direct evidence in the case from the beginning to the end against Lizzie Borden. Yes. And I mean, again, we've to death, it seems like we've been talking about evidence <laughs> from 1890, from the 18th century as opposed to today. But that said, there is just a lot of aforementioned circumstantial evidence that it proved like you, it's, it's some kind of, you know, burden of proof to say that she, yeah, it's hard to prove it. It was yeah. hard to prove that then and is now. Mm-hmm. I mean, at this time also, it was hard to get away with a direct verdict when you didn't even have the murder weapon. Yes, that's right. 
the murder weapon was never found. The police called up multiple witnesses, including Bridget and a friend of Lizzie's, Alice Russell. Now, Russell stated that even though Lizzie had came to her door the night, her house the night before and stated she needed to go on a long vacation, she recalled Lizzie stating, something is hanging over me. I cannot tell what it is, but I feel afraid something is going to happen. How fucking convenient. But remember, guys, she had just got back from vacation. And also during the trial, Emma went on stand. And there were records, according uh, to the court records at the time, that one of the main reasons that Lizzie was found, eventually going to be found not guilty, was because of Emma. So... It really comes in a clutch uh, time and time and again, it appears. So we've actually included this on um, the uh, on our Facebook when we do post this. Uh, so if you guys have time after the episode, take a look uh, at her on the stand. Um, it was a picture, right? Or oh, is no, it no, like one just, of those, those paintings back in the day? Oh, okay. Perfect, perfect. Yeah, it's just the conversation, and it's, it's really long, but oh. it's... Uh, and in, in, in reading it, it was very weird reading it because at first I felt like she, and I, I didn't read it all. That's how long it was. Mm-hmm. But like I, I was skimming it. And at first she would talk about, you know, she seemed pretty open, pretty come f- coming forward. And then towards the bottom, you know, she starts talking about this dress more and it just, mm-hmm. she starts being just, her, her her word choices change. Mm-hmm. So, so, it was just, just weird. Yeah. So, to no surprise, um, Lizzie has no relation or knowledge of this murder, but she does state that Lizzie had mentioned burning an old blue dress. And Emma does go into detail that this dress was just created in May. So, we can't actually say how old it was, but um say it was old for that so huh. that's i mean i don't know maybe to rich people like three months ago Ugh. yeah like, can't wear it more than once like fuck like yeah. uh during this testimony emma still calls abby by mrs borden which is kind of peculiar especially after the way she was murdered but i mean it I mean to still that's referring to the present tense like uh, I nice, just feel 19th like... century for you Mrs. Borden is just kind of disrespectful to your stepmother. Like, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but it's a way of rejection, I feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just a way of them showing that, uh, that they still have this hatred towards her. Yeah. It, it's very, the testimony is very fascinating, and I definitely advise you guys to read it. If not, then just skim through it it's very interesting but um after both sides stated their case the jury deliberated for one hour that's literally 60 minutes and they quickly came back and found lizzie not guilty not guilty of murdering her father and her stepmother and this stunned the nation i i could see why um, for a bunch of different reasons, um, for it being such a high profile case and for it just being what it was, it was a graphic, gruesome case, but again, you can see how much police work has changed. Mm-hmm. Um, but like we've been stating throughout the entire case, one of the main reasons why Lizzie, they couldn't get on board with Lizzie being guilty was she was, they couldn't see a woman of such good standing commit such a heinous crime. And again, at this time too, the state had never hung a woman. So that might have helped her. Um, Cam, just adding on to that as well, I think um, her having that wealth passed on, maybe she might have bought somebody off, the judge. You know? Yeah. Well, that's a good idea for uh, sure. I mean, we're just like, it's something, it's... <laughs> No matter the year or the decade or century, it seems it, it's just like a perception of reality in that what things money can buy. I mean, we just see with this uh, Jesse uh, ordeal with that apparently he spent about $10,000 of bond and that paid a 
big role in uh, the prosecution dropping the charges. I mean, this that's like one fucking Empire episode in and of itself, but I'm going a little bit too far. But after Lizzie was acquitted... Oh. Hmm. Uh-oh, oh, you lagged on the count. You, you notice. Oh, I did notice that money does buy you everything, but it seems to create a lot of evil. It does. It does. Lots, lots of And yet we still fucking do it. We still do it. We still think it's money's all about the money. I mean, of But course. I would like a million dollars, so. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, after Lizzie was acquitted, both her and Emma used their inheritance that they got to buy a big house with four bathrooms in the hill and this was an affluent area of the town and although she lived well off for the rest of her life the community was convinced that lizzie ended up in fact murdering her family but what for was it money was it vengeance was it a you know another uh unforeseen um theory and she later died in that very house at the age of 67 in 1927 so it actually she died within a week of her passing away emma did died so it's it's like you see weird some, how close they were yeah, yes. yeah. not so, to mention that if emma had like um if she had known like her sister was accused of possibly being the murderer of her father like who in the right mind would live with her for the rest of her right? life it's just kind of weird Unless, unless she was in on it. Unless she was in on it. Mm-hmm. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> You're an idiot. But <laughs> so, 126 years after the fact, Lizzie Borden's name will forever be connected with the historic gruesome crime of Fall River. Like as we said, you know, there's been numerous documentaries, books, even um, that has chronicled this case. The movie that we we just we talked about. I mean. This is still a very fascinating and relevant uh, a saga, you know? And, and it's still considered unsolved, technically. Yeah, oh yeah? There we go. There's a good, good thing we played the fucking Unsolved Mysteries thing. We actually have an unsolved case. Um, yeah. So, and, and then we talk about this, uh, and we talk about pop culture lore, is this chant, this, this play thing that we were talking about, Lizzie Borden had an axe and gave her mother 40 wax. When she saw what she had done, she gave her father 41. Man, that's some, that's some, that's better than some raps you hear today. Shit. <laughs> and that's again, so funny. And, and as I said, is I remember again, alluding back to what I uh, said earlier, like I remember hearing this and I just figured it was made up because it was like too fucking gruesome to be true. I mean, a woman is going to you know, viciously, even a number was, okay, it's yeah, far-fetched. Yeah, women but, don't do that. Yeah. Women, women are the peacemakers, are calm. Mm-hmm. But, Especially women who are about the Lord and their church. Right. I right. mean, so much going for her. She has, she's wealthy. Like, why would she risk losing all of that standing and all that potential money to do that? It, exactly. But at the same time, they thought they were losing it if their stepmother got it all. It's just one of those brains I want to pick apart. So it's one of those things is you guys tell us, did Lizzie Borden murder her father, her stepmother? Was it a maid? Was it a crazy random killer? Was it her brother-in-law? Was it the sister? And Unsolved Crimes actually has a strange suspicion um, themselves. And it's. I'm telling you guys, go on the cute little, go on a cute little book date and go buy this book. Super fun. Um, it's awesome and it's an easy read. But anyways, in this book, there's a theory, and so people to this day are still trying to make sense of this crime. So people are running on a theory that possibly Lizzie and her sister were being abused by their father, and this was because there were two staircases in their house. One staircase went to the master bedroom and one to the girls' room. Now, it was said it was made easier for Andrew to access the girls' room without Abby knowing. Um, Which I could see being a a good theory, but if the girls really hated their father as much as stated in this theory, 
why the hell did Abby get annihilated with twice as many hacks? And it's a, this crime was a crime of passion, but again, wouldn't Andrew be attacked more if this was going on? In the olden day, there were multiple staircases to different bedrooms because there was like a staircase for the maids and a staircase for like the family. Um, but I could be completely wrong. I just thought that was a thing that happened back in the old days. Um, and finally, if they hated their father so much, why were they so protective of his reputation and money? So that's always, those are all my, my, my questions I have for that. But if you guys are ever on the East Coast or live there now, go to the Lizzie Borden home. Yes, the same one where the murders took place. It's open, it's a bed and breakfast, and you can stay in the exact room that the murder took place. So... That's cool. <laughs> just adding on to that, Cam. Um, I just wonder whose idea it was to make it a bed and breakfast. I mean, that's that's kind of insane. It's like sleeping in somebody's crib. Kind of creepy. Uh, yeah, you guys do that like that. Uh, is it not fucking? That has to be fucking haunted, right? Is that a white person? Yeah, no. I yeah, think. well, as long, I, I'm yeah. glad you said it. I was thinking, <laughs> you know what I'm thinking. Something. I was just like, ah. Uh, <laughs> Yes, I will go do that. Oh, but boy. We watch, uh, uh, what is it, what, one of the ghost adventure investigator, whatever, and I think they I think they did one there. I think it was haunted for them. I don't remember. I'll have to watch it again. So, there you go. Um, the very, very, very complicated uh, Lizzie Borden case. And even after... 126 years, it seems to be more questions than there is answers. And it seems that we tend to find these cases, some cases that we cover, that is, there's nothing that's ever black and white and gray, but it, it it's more of a open and shut and, you know, there's definitive proof that, you know, person A did this to person B or multiple, but like this, it's just... We think that we know, it appears to see that Lizzie Borden killed her stepmother and her father. Yeah. But, I mean, again, we don't, it's with, you know, mm-hmm. the lack of investigation. Well, you know, boy, even with the circumstantial investigation, but with the the hampers of no DNA and, and all that shit. Like, yeah, and the lack of actual, like physical evidence of the weapon of mm-hmm. the yeah no no weapon right and the dr- and the and the dress and it's just like in the fuck well the fucking barn that's just really like how okay why couldn't that have been expounded upon more i wonder if the prosecution you know really touched on that like she yeah. says she's there but there's no proof that she is so that's a big that's a big whopper that she's telling you guys like it just leaves it's a lot of a lot of conspicuous shit that and questions. It. Yeah. So um, that's what that leads me to believe that maybe perhaps like the trial was bought because yeah. there's just so much evidence there. I mean, yeah, it, w- it was all circumstantial, but I mean, come on, like, they went on vacation, happened to come back exactly that week. The sister happened to be gone. Like, it's just too many coincidences, in my opinion. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, there's far too many things where it's like, huh, this all seemed to add up very nicely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For for the ones that uh, did the murders. I agree. Yeah. So, um, uh, there lies again the Lizzie Borden case, and I mean, ooh, it's it's that's a lot of shit. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm not even saying it's because it's 11 o'clock and I got an alarm for 5. I mean, just even just, you know, trying to piece this together for the last hours. So, it's just, and I remember when I was 9 and not even under, I understand, like, the big stuff and getting hacked, but, like, the reasons and the theories, and it's just like, hmm, it just fears. And again, maybe it's uh, uh, in, in the day and in the information age where we just get so much of this stuff just, you know, at, at our at our fingertips, and we are able to decipher all of this stuff and analyze and make what we feel is a reasonable uh, uh, 
a consensus consensus decision, and you know it it's it just looks like you know the the evidence and rumors and innuendo and everything surrounded it has this woman dead to rights, you know that she should be you know face justice, but not apparently not, but yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's just like that bed and breakfast. The bed yeah. and breakfast, yeah. Fuck that. I'm not. No, yes. no, 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 no. Only Planet I'll trip. say this. Only if we do the H H Holmes cam. Yes. Oh my god, we have to do it. That's probably just as much information. There's just so much information. <laughs> so much information. Yes, mm-hmm. we needed to do H H Holmes too. Yes. So, yeah, guys. Um. Thank you so much for uh, for listening. You know, um, taking a busy time out of your schedules again. Thank you, Cam. Uh, I know you are a very busy woman. Um, oh my god! And to just yeah, taking time out your day just to you know shoot the shit with us. It means I love a lot. You though. Real MVP, Dubs. Real MVP. We're all the real MVPs. We did this together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thanks for having me, guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I did. And before we go, um, Cam, uh, where can they find you? Oh no, I think I, I can get I can get you. I can get you. They you can oh. find Cam on Instacam six thirty on Instagram. You can find her on Twitter on I like stuff six thirty, and you can find her on Facebook on Cam E. Ren. That's pretty accurate. Do you know where they're going to find me? Um, okay. You can find Birdman on Facebook at Alex Camp. Yeah, just You can find, um, Birdman at Birdman for America. Is that correct? Yeah! Okay, got that one. And then Bird underscore your underscore enthusiasm. You the best. Did I get him? You yes. did. Fuck yeah! Oh man, I'm oh, gonna yeah. when I go to when I go to St. Louis, you just you just earned yourself a 12 pack, buddy. Yes, bitch. Mm-hmm. And yes. Deb, where they can where can they find you? You can find me on Facebook at Deb Hernandez or on Twitter at Deb H E R N D Z seventeen. So yeah, just find well, me and hit me up. All right. Yay. And um, that's all for us uh, this week. We will be back very soon. Uh, that's next week, the week after, the month or year. We don't fucking know. But when we do, we will hit the ground running. Um, I have a few episodes in the burner that I have to talk with my partner in true crime. And we're going to dwell into that. And um, again, thank you guys so much. Without your support, we won't be able to do this. So you guys are so fucking awesome. And we uh, love you. Indeed. So again, for Cam, for Deb, this is Bird, Alex. I don't know what fucking call myself these days. Signing up. <laughs> this is Killinois with Bird and Cam. Be there or be killed, bitches. Woo! And delete. <laughs>